The handle's imprinted. Whosoever is carrying Thor's fingerprints is, I think, the literal translation. Yes, well, that's a very interesting theory. I have a simpler one. You're all not worthy. I am your host, Rob Logan, and joining me for this week's episode is Paulo. We are going to be hopping into the spoiler room to discuss Avengers Age of Ultron. If you have not seen the movie yet, you might want to do so before listening to this episode. Once we do step into the spoiler room, anything we say is a fair game, so you have been forewarned. I recommend that you watch the movie first, come back to this episode later, and enjoy this, or if you don't really care about the movie, you can listen to it right now. That's fine too. Access, Access granted. granted. Welcome. Welcome. All right, so Avengers: Age of Ultron. Uh, I should say before we talk about the movie itself that I prepared for this movie heavily in the sense that I spent an entire day rewatching all of Marvel's phase two. Right. I did it for the original Avengers movie and wanted to do it again only to discover not really necessary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of true. Unlike phase one, Avengers was much uh, of a culmination right. of the phase one movies. Whereas in phase two, uh, as we'll talk about, I'm sure age of Ultron feels like a midpoint, but it's also a launching point for, Phase three, right. setting up lots of stuff for the future. Yeah. So phase two for people that might not know, Iron Man three, Thor, the Dark World, Captain America, the Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, like I said, most of them do not matter for watching this, except I would say Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, there are elements of the other movies that certainly play a part. Like we saw the ether very briefly in this mm-hmm. as being uh, an infinity stone, but that's also a scene at the end of Thor, the dark world. Right. I think when they give it to the collector and he blatantly says yeah. one down five to go, right. something along those lines. So yeah, probably didn't need to waste my time doing that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there's some, there, there are some things that like, uh, that transfer over to the movie. I mm-hmm. mean, you'd like cat, like you said, uh, winter soldier was a good one because you kind of see where cap is coming from. Sure. Like, there's that part where he's like, that's what S.H.I.E.L.D.'s supposed to be. Or, yes. You know, you, you understand where, 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 where his influences are coming from. But, mm-hmm. And I mean, even like with Iron Man 3, like they always, they're throughout the whole movie, they're talking about Tony's fear or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Iron Man 3 was kind of like the culmination of that. You see like the ramp up to how he realizes his fear and, sure. you know, blowing up all the suits and everything. So, I mean, it, it, there, there are some things that they take from the phase two movies, but yeah, you definitely like you could watch Age of Ultron and be like, okay. Yeah. As long as you've seen the first Avengers, right. Then Age of Ultron makes sense, but the phase two movies don't show us a whole bunch. It is nice, uh, to know who Falcon is going in. Right. Cause Granted. you're seeing this guy and you're like, ooh. Right. Granted, yeah. it's not a huge role, and I actually thought it would be more than it was, but unfortunately, it was not. Yeah. Um. So we'll go through the movie. Kind of, I have scenes charted out, and mm-hmm. uh, we can jump in as we go here. So the first thing is the big attack on the Hydra base. They don't waste any time right. jumping into the action. It's like, all right, you can, you know, these guys. Let's go. Yeah. Let's just go. 
Uh, my biggest beef with this scene was the heavily used CGI that was way too apparent. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think like the action kind of moved a little fast. Like, like you said, they jumped right into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, <laughs> the one thing that took me out of it was the one scene that we all saw leading up to the movie, and yeah. a lot of the press was kind of like the Super Friends assemble, like sort of thing where they're all launching off of jeeps and you know off. which was a cool shot yeah it was a cool shot but it took you out of it because it took me out of it because i saw it and i was like oh and then and then and then it kept going but yeah it was uh it was a little quick mm-hmm. like um i don't know maybe it was after a long day of work and i just saw it and thought whoa way too fast slow down there was something very fast-paced about it and not even the sense that quicksilver's running around just, right, right. just there, there was something extremely fast-paced about it and i i think kind of overall in this movie pacing does become a bit of an issue yeah. in general. And I, I do want to say before, like I'm already pointing out things that I don't like. I want to say that I did enjoy this movie yeah, overall as a whole. So we are nitpicking for sure. Right. Uh, but I know a lot of the criticisms that we probably have are ones that are generally out there yeah. as a whole as well, too. Uh, as far as like after the action scene, uh, when Tony's kind of getting out of the suit and has it go into sentry mode and everything, didn't seem like a smart move to me yeah for such a smart guy yeah <laughs> you're going into the enemy base and you just took off your biggest advantage right like, what? right I, yes it's in sentry mode but all like all that baron von strucker guy had to do was just you know just a regular old pistol just, yeah you yeah know? and not only that like not only does he get out of the suit and leave it in sentry mode but you could be like okay fine but then he goes downstairs without it, where it's not going to do him any good whatsoever. Right. Yeah. It's like sentry mode. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go walk down the scary hallway without my biggest advantage. Now I'm going to leave you unattended. Right. <laughs> Smart. I like the early setup of the lullaby technique, mm-hmm. not only as a way to show that they have control over the Hulk to some extent, but it was a nice kind of early establishment of the banner natasha relationship we're going to see play out through the movie so that was kind of cool yeah i really like that i mean the the relationship between them two throughout the entire movie Mm -hmm. was kind of one it was one of those things that helped to kind of balance out the action you know absolutely agree it was kind of like that drama aspect and it's also the 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 self-reflection aspect of Mm -hmm. it all like i really like that totally totally they interestingly got around the use of using the name mutants Mm -hmm. because as we've talked about on the show before Quicksilver was obviously for people that saw X-Men Days of Future Past in that movie as well. Right. And the agreement was that both sides could use Quicksilver as long as in the Avengers they made no reference to mutant origins. Mm-hmm. And they've even gone as far as rewriting the origins. Uh, and this is kind of you've been watching S.H.I.E.L.D. too, right? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm off this season. So. OK, uh, in, in this current season, enhanced people is a more mentioned thing and it's a bigger part of the story. So uh, the fact that these guys were genetic, the twins were genetically created and they're referred to as enhanced. And Cap even knows the terminology right away. He can be, uh, he's like enhanced on the field. So clearly not only is he aware of it, but they've also dealt with those in some off-screen adventures that we haven't seen. Right. Yeah. So that was a nice way to get around it that made sense. I was afraid a little bit uh, when Tony went downstairs and saw the spear and everything. And then uh, Scarlet Witch whammied him. I, I was a little afraid we were going back to the mind control mechanic from the first Avengers. Yeah, that that was I mean, the whole the, the mind control thing was just like a really convenient and easy way to, like, turn the plot a certain way. Like, mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I was, I appreciated the fact that, you know, I, I kind of knew what Scarlet Witch did going into right. it because I had read about her in the comics and obviously read her, uh, read about her on the Wikipedia and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, it, yeah, I was a little afraid that there, it was, it was too easy of a plot tool to like kind of just be like, okay, now this guy is another guy. Right. And, you know, it, it, I, I was, I did appreciate that it was something else. And yeah. It, and, it, and it actually was a, a big theme throughout the entire movie is what she showed our heroes. Right, right. And apparently not only that, but she also sees what they see, mm-hmm. which is the whole reason that she actually lets Tony take the spear. Right. Because they know that something is going to be created from it. They didn't know exactly what, as you find out later when they're surprised that Ultron is actually a machine and not a person. Right. Uh, but that was interesting, too. Uh, during that time, too, Tony's using the Iron Legion for crowd control, and the people don't like them because obviously they're brainwashed by Strucker and... Mm-hmm whatever establishment is uh, in charge there. But it did bring up very interesting questions in not only just uh, the Legion itself, but Tony. And this was not addressed in any way whatsoever, which was kind of disappointing because Marvel's very good so far, at least about kind of wrapping up plot holes or plot points. The end of Iron Man three, Tony blows up all his suits, throws the arc reactor over the cliff and is basically like, yeah, I'm done. Mm hmm. And then we jump to the next time we see him is Age of Ultron. He's got new armor. He's got an Iron Legion. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> he's powering all this stuff without arc reactor technology, apparently, because right. he doesn't have it in his chest anymore. That's like the only continuing factor. It's like, what changed? Yeah. The only link to Iron Man 3 is like brief mentions of Pepper. Yeah. Saying that, you know, Pepper is running the company. Yep. She's busy doing her thing. But then they never address the whole issue of, well, you went from zero suits to now having at least one suit. Yep. And then having a whole army of, like, Sentinels. Like, not Sentinels, but, you know. And Stark uh, Tower's been retrofitted right. and set up as Avengers Tower. and Like, what, what changed between your last... Like your your revelation, like, yeah. I don't understand. That. Like that's a huge missing piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, I, I like I'm hopeful that you know that's something that they address maybe later on down the line. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Pepper does come back in like a uh, civil war or something, and they have a talk, and that kind of makes a re- like it reveals something about his decision to re up as Iron Man, right? But I mean, yeah, definitely a big hole there. Kind of like, well, what's the deal? Which brings up another interesting question. Now that the cinematic universe is established, can we really even look at these as individual movies anymore? Or do we have to say, well, maybe they're going to do it later? Like, is that okay anymore? Or should they still be looking at just making singular, solitary movies that you can enjoy by themselves? Well, that's kind of the problem, right? I mean, like we were saying before, Avengers, the original, was kind of the culmination of phase one. Mm Mm-hmm. But Age of Ultron is sort of uh, the launching point for Phase Three. Mm-hmm. For Phase Three, so the burden that Age of Ultron has as a movie is that it has to it has to set everything up for the future, but also address everything that's in the present. Right. And so when you're doing that, it's like you keep having to flip back and forth and say, you know, this could happen or this is happening, and that's the burden that the movie kind of suffers from is because. We have all these plot points that, you know, maybe could be addressed in the future Mm -hmm. or maybe not. And now the future movies also have to reflect back on Age of Ultron and say, well, what are the things we need to work on? And what are the things we need to develop in the course of our future movies? Yeah. And it's nice that they have a future plan. I don't know how much of it 
I want to know at this point mm-hmm. because we've all known the Infinity War was coming. Whether or not they announced the movie or not, we had our ideas about it. When Thor had his vision of the stones, if that was our first knowledge of like, oh, they really are doing it. Like we had seen Thanos, so we have an idea already. But now really solidifying it with the Infinity Stones would be, oh, my God, that'd be amazing. Also, the building conflict in this movie between Tony and Cap, if we didn't know Civil War was coming so soon, would that be so much cooler if they made the announcement afterward? Like, oh, my God, are they like they're they're building this tension, but... Mm -hmm even though they diffuse it all at the end. <laughs> right, right, right. But they, they are building this tension throughout the movie that it's like, oh my God, they should totally do Civil War. And then they announce Civil War and everybody goes nuts. Right. Like, and, and I think that's definitely like, that's a result of sort of building up hype, but at the same time, burdening yourself with living up to the hype. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can do all you want in announcing, you know, how many other movies you have planned for the next 20 years or whatever. Yep. But then with an already established storyline in the comics, you know, people have expectations leading right. up to that, whatever that plan is. And so you can, as much as, you know, they say that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very much its own universe and mm-hmm. only borrows influence from the comic books. There, there still is that expectation. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's say we didn't know anything about Infinity War. Yep. Civil War would be that much more impressive. Absolutely. Because, I mean, like Anna was saying a couple of weeks or, you know, whatever, a few months ago when, you know, she's already tired of hearing about Infinity War when Civil War hasn't even come out yet. Or Age of Ultron hadn't yet. Right. Like, <laughs> They're, we're already looking past the movie we're all excited for. Right. You're kind of exhausted by the hype, and so you'd almost rather know less. I agree. I would kind of rather know yeah, less absolutely. at times. Sure. Yeah. Which is, I think, one of the reasons that I enjoyed this more than some people have said. They're like, well, I saw so much in the TV spots and the trailers. I'd be like, at a certain point, I stopped because I don't want to be like, I recognize that. I recognize that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to enjoy these things the first time in the movie themselves. Uh, so, all right, going from that scene, uh, we then go to the kind of building Ultron thing. Uh, we find out that Loki's spear contains an AI right. that is more advanced than Jarvis. And I use advanced in quotations because was it actually as we find out later? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, he convinces Banner to help him work on it as a means to replace the Avengers and keep the peace. So Tony's thinking ahead. Ultron activates as a result of the tests and builds his personality on what he can research of Tony, which was an interesting uh, way to do it. Instead of Ultron just being this pure AI personality of its own, it kind of looks at Tony Stark as the first person mentioned and kind of his creator and says, well, that's my template. I'm just going to twist it Mm -hmm. and uh, do this other thing. And then out of rage kind of attacks Jarvis. I was a little disappointed with not only how fast all this went by, because we were like a half hour in the movie and yeah. the villains already being like established as uh, just this evil being mm-hmm. <laughs> like no build up, no relationship with him and Tony, just him kind of like researching Tony and being like, oh, OK, I'll be like that. Right. And then the the tests running, it was all like very abrupt ending mm-hmm. before the, uh, the conversation with him and Jarvis started going. Yeah. I mean, just in general, I had a problem with the pacing of Ultron. Yeah, totally. Like his development went it was like the steepest learning curve. Yeah. Like he went from inception to advanced all the way to dying, like real quick. Yeah. There was no him. I mean, he had access to 
everything. Yeah. Right. Like the entire, the entirety of human knowledge and everything on the internet or whatever. Yep. Like he, he had so much to pull from and yet the first thing that he does is he looks at Tony Stark and says, all right, I'm done. That's, yeah. that's what I'm going to base myself <laughs> off of. Yeah. This like self indulged alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, genius billionaire philanthropist, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's the guy I'm going to base my model on. Like, uh, like you have so much to pull from. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have based himself off of Hitler. He could have based himself yeah. off of, you know, uh, like Obama or like, you know, a, a great philosopher of the Greek era. Like, it, it just, it just seems so fast. We could have had an AI that spoke like Schwarzenegger for the entire movie. I mean, that would have been amazing. <laughs> a little confusing, but amazing. Right. And so it's like the, the, the pacing of Ultron. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about throughout the entire movie was like Ultron would be that much better if they just put in like a little like a cut to black and then like six months later mm. or like a year later or establishing that some time had passed. Right. Because they kind of didn't do that in the movie. They just Ultron kind of goes from inception like he's born. Mm-hmm. He builds his body. Yep. And then he's like. He's done. Here I am. Like, yep, I'm done. Like, he's. And at the same time, it could have been, uh, like they, they go, Oh, he got out through an escape hatch in the internet. But what if they didn't know that? Right. And it gives Ultron time to develop. Right. Where'd he go? Oh no, we can't find him. Right. You know? Like, yeah, it was the, the, the pacing with Ultron was weird. And I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or whatever. Well, I probably am. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that okay. later, but I'm talking about vision, but. Oh yeah. Um, he's kind of like the antithesis of that. It's, right. Absolutely. Know, I mean, it is in a way you can kind of justify Ultron's development in the sense that if you had an AI, maybe it would develop that fast. It's just an exponential process with technology that maybe it would actually be like, boom, like so fast because we we can't go that way. But maybe AI can. Uh, But also it's I had heard rumors that this movie was supposed to be like over three hours long. Mm -hmm. And the studios were like, no, we need more showings. So <laughs> you can't make it that long because we got to make money off more and more showings. And Whedon had to cut out like maybe a good half hour, which well, there is clearly there, obvious. There was a Loki scene, right? That there was. was cut out. And that was cut out. Right. Yeah. And who knows what else? I'm sure a number of other things, because like we said, the pacing is so quick. Not everything was given the time to develop that it should have. And that's even with all the exposition scenes that they left in. Right. Which I actually thought were stronger than some of the action scenes. Right. So. Yeah. And I, I think with Ultron, they definitely had the potential to build, to address kind of one of our concerns that we've had in the past about mm-hmm. Marvel villains. Yes. You could have, Ultron could have been a great villain. Could have. Because he's basically... He's what we all see is wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it, he just doesn't have that, that wall mm-hmm. that stops us from doing it. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the human side of us or the, the, uh, emotional or empathic side of us that stops us from killing the guy that's doing all the wrong or, right. you know, he's, he's like a sociopath or a psychopath and that's his flaw and that's kind of what makes him the villain. But right. he's also kind of like you, you, you relate to him because it's like, yeah, maybe that is the solution, right? You know, right. Just maybe not that way. And yet suffers from kind of the same Marvel villain trope of he's not relatable because instead of skipping all the interesting things that they could have done with comparing him to Tony and being like the dark side to uh, Tony's personality or whatever, which he kind of was, but they just were like, Ultron's evil. Yeah, yeah. Ultron's evil. We're good. We got to stop him. Yeah. See, you guys, red eyes, evil. Yeah. Like, like yeah. the the gray areas weren't there that make a villain interesting. Yeah. Like we understand Loki. 
we understand Kingpin from right. watching Daredevil. Granted, Kingpin had a lot more time, mm-hmm. but we don't understand Ultron. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to blow up everything because it's easier. And I mean, he kind of had that, those brief moments of development where he, he kind of had that self sense of humor, mm-hmm. you know, when he, when he met the twins. Mm hmm. Which also is a kind of copy of Stark. Right. Yeah. And that was great mm-hmm. because you almost kind of relate to him. You know, yeah. it's like, and humans make smaller humans. Like, I thought that was a great line. Right. Like, you right. know, like, and the thing that kind of weirded me out though was that they kind of like his lips moved and he had teeth. That's a little weird. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was weird. But, um, yeah, like that little things like that could have made him so much more relatable. And then as a result, a much better villain. Mm-hmm. But, I guess, you know, if you're going to cut out a lot of stuff, then maybe that's the first stuff to go. Which also answered or asked some interesting questions about Tony. Like Ultron, the way we relate to him is because of his humor. Aside from that, Ultron's uh, unempathic psychopath is Stark all that different. Probably not. I mean, we we kind of accept him to a certain degree, you know, just based on the fact that he's human one and right. that he's you know, servicing the greater good. And he's of. charming and, and he, disarming. Right. But, and, but one of the, like to address that point, I mean, one of the parts that sort of like, uh, when they're in the Quinjet and they just arrived back at Avengers tower mm-hmm. and, uh, I think Marie Hill comes on the jet and is like, what do you want to do with this? Whatever boss. And right. Tony's like, Oh, I'm not the boss. He's the boss. Mm-hmm. I just pay for everything, make everybody look cooler. But it's like, well, yeah, maybe that's it. That really is all you do. Right. You know, like maybe you're not, uh, the hero that, you know, we all want you to be. Maybe you're kind of just like the bank account. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, and it does feel that way. Like there are times way before this, like in Iron Man one hero. Absolutely. mm -hmm. Iron Man two is where we start seeing the cracks. Right. Iron Man three, even, uh, the stress is building. Avengers. He's got some issues, but still very much hero, especially at the end, mm-hmm. uh, willing to sacrifice himself for it. So couldn't be more human at that moment than anything else. But then since Avengers and uh, and then we get him Iron Man 3, we get all the PTSD stuff happening. Now he's pretty much broken mm-hmm. in a way. He can't be the hero anymore. And now he's looking for a way out. Right. And I mean, he's like it's kind of a reflection of when he was an arms dealer. Mm-hmm. He's a facilitator. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily care about what side he's on, but he's just servicing the side that he will benefit the most from. Sure. I mean, in the, in age of Ultron, obviously Ultron is trying to blow up the world. Right. Which so, is bad for business. Right. Which is bad for business. <laughs> it's bad for Tony. It's bad for, you know, it's bad for Pepper. You right. Know, all of right. his, his interests. So, like, when you think about it that way, it's kind of like, well, is he really a hero? Kind of maybe, maybe not. Like, it, it makes sense that we would get this movie with an absence of Pepper because mm-hmm. if she was there, Tony's humanized again, right? Because all those motivations would just be about saving Pepper, right. really. Uh, so, yeah, good exclusion from this one. I also like the uh, conversation, which comes up in the next scene. Actually, the uh, celebration, the party, <laughs> when you get uh, Tony and Thor kind of like comparing <laughs> Pepper and Jane. I like that. That was good. Oh, Jane's better. <laughs> Just like <laughs> has to get the last word in at the end. Like it's not even subtle anymore. That was good. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the party scene itself, we got cameos by Falcon, War Machine, uh, great Stan Lee cameo right. in that part, as we always see. And this is also to where the Banner Natasha relationship really yeah. becomes more obvious. Yeah. That flirting was super intense. Like, yeah. She wasn't holding back. Yeah. But like, being the typical like geeky dorky guy, 
it kind of went over Banner's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, wait, so. So what? We're flirting, right? So what are you saying? <laughs> wait, hold on. So you're, you like me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like, I, I, that, that whole scene was great. I mean, yeah. Just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit because you know what's coming. Right, right. You get to see everybody interact and it's kind of like that class reunion sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, totally. Everybody's got their friends and, you know, you got that, uh, that dynamic, I, I loved uh, Don Cheadle yep. as far as he, he's like, it's a great story. <laughs> and he tells it to the people after and just gives the, all right, the yeah. head nod. Yeah, it worked again. I was just making sure that it's still, it's just you guys who aren't yeah, impressed. Yeah, it's like the weird God guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie takes place directly after that, where they're all doing the Thor hammer right, lifting. Right, right. Uh, War Machine and Tony are <laughs> putting the gloves on like crazy. But the best part, obviously, is when Cap goes to pick oh, it up yeah. and it moves just a nudge and yeah, you right, see right, right, Hemsworth's right. face just change. Yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. But that was all done very, very well, uh, which leads to the villain introduction, Ultron emerging. He's infiltrated and taken control of the Iron Legion. I'm wondering, I mean, visually it works. But of all the bodies you could have chosen <laughs> to introduce <laughs> yourself, why the like oil leaking dilapidated body? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, uh, yeah, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. He like built the body out of the scraps. Yeah. Was it just sort of like, I, I, I don't know what that, what, what was behind that choice? <laughs> Meanwhile, he's using already constructed bodies to do the attacking. Like, why right. did you not take one of those? Yeah. Those seem to be working real well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're doing just fine. Um, and then the other thing, kind of like we said before, he's evil right away. Yeah. So he's a very unsympathetic villain in that uh, way. And the whole thing now just becomes good versus evil. It's not even about trying to understand Ultron. Right. Which is missed opportunity, I think. Yeah. I mean, he could have just gone in there and been like, you know, well, why, why aren't you guys doing this? Right. You know, like ask questions like you to kind of borrow from vision. You really were born like five minutes yeah like why don't why aren't you asking these questions you know if you really are you know the product of what tony said was you know the the thing that was going to save the world a suit around the world like if you really are that or born from that then why aren't you asking the right questions Mm -hmm. and then finding and then even if you find their answers insufficient that's that's fine yeah we're going in the right direction, but just right away is just like you guys suck i'm gonna blow up the world solution like yeah yeah, so instead of a lecture from the big bad, it probably should have been a conversation right. where we develop the character a little bit more, establish it, and then there's that turn at some mm-hmm. point where he's like, oh, well, he has the realization. I kind of get it because everybody, like, he walks into the room and everybody immediately, their guard is up. Thor yeah. grabs his hammer yep. and, like, everybody's pulling guns out. Like, I get it. But at the same time, like, definitely a missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, everyone is then pissed at Tony. <laughs> like, what the hell were you doing? Right. You're messing around with all this stuff that we don't understand, right. trying to do it in like three days time. Right. Uh, you didn't consult any of us except for Banner, who's pretty much a pushover anyway. Mm-hmm. When he's, <laughs> when he's not the Hulk, he is pretty much a pushover. Right. Uh, and Tony's reaction in kind of light of all we've been saying is his typical arrogance of just mm-hmm. like laughing at it. Like, you guys are all idiots and I'm the one who's right here. So, but. He, he just won't accept the fact that maybe he screwed up. Yeah. And I mean, Banner, Banner's the great, greatest, or uh, Mark Ruffalo. He's like a great counterpoint. In yeah. This scene. Yeah. Cause he's like, yeah, 
Yeah. When, I, when I build a murder bot, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if he's, he's the obvious, like, that's the obvious answer. Right. Banner's like, shit, we fucked up. Yeah. And, and like, at the same time, I, I guess it's a good opportunity for them to highlight exactly where Ultron comes from. Because this is kind of like Tony, Tony's arrogance is kind of where Ultron is born mm-hmm. from. It's just super exaggerated. Totally. So, you know, it's a good opportunity for character development there. But yeah, the scene where he's like, yeah, yep. uh, when I build a murder bot, I do. Yep. Like that face. Absolutely. Like, I, I love that. It was just like, I had a little giggle there. And Cap starts to draw a parallel to uh, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s paranoia. And again, this is the reason that you needed to see Winter Soldier to kind of understand where Cap is coming from here. He's seen this behavior and what happened. So S.H.I.E.L.D. is destroyed because... They were trying to fight that battle before it happened and Hydra snuck in and took advantage. So in light of that, he's like, well, here we go again. Right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And it established, you know, he's already, he, he's already the moral compass, but you know, it's, you kind of get that idea that this is where Cap is going. And I mean, he's probably going to take the moral compass personification to the next level. Mm -hmm. I mean, civil war is essentially him saying that. You know, everybody needs to be an open book. Yep. So, I mean, maybe that's going a little too far. It's a good uh, jumping off point, I guess. Yeah. Uh, then we get to meet the twins. Or, sorry, we've seen the twins. The twins meet Ultron. The Maximov twins reveal their origin and motivations, which was good to kind of flesh them out a little bit yeah. more. Very necessary. They were kind of two-dimensional up to this point, or one-dimensional. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they talk about how they were almost killed at the hands of Stark's weapons. So. Right. Again, Stark's past coming back to haunt him, as has happened many times up to this point already. We then track down Ultron, so the team's trying to uh, find the spear Mm -hmm. that was taken from them again that Ultron needs to use. I geeked out quite a bit when they mentioned Wakanda. Right, right, right. Being not only the source of vibranium, but the uh, home of Black Panther, which we know is on the way. Right. So there was part of me, like, I know we're supposed to get the first official look in Civil War, but there was a part of me that was like, Really? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just, mentioned Wakanda. Now we go in there. We're gonna see him. We're gonna see him. Just like, just like a like a screen grab or something. Yeah. where You see like a guy in black, and you're like, Ugh. yeah. Even just a, a little reference to him, aside from just the land. Yeah. Yeah, like would have been interesting or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that would have been cool. Uh, then we are on Wakanda. This is when Ultron kind of loses it trying to get the vibranium right. when he's compared to one of Stark's machines. Right. So clearly, again, kind of showing his daddy issues as they were. Right. And he's definitely like that. He's definitely not a robot in this scene. No, he not at all. He out so in such a human way. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a teenager a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, because he's like it, it's sort of that irrational anger that sort of lashes out and like lops a guy's arm off. Right. The the kind of the one part of this though that uh, threw me off a little bit. It's not really something that I didn't like, but they show the vibranium, mm-hmm. and he only took one tube. Yeah, I thought there was more in there. Like I'm yeah. pretty sure that's kind of all vibranium. I I, th- I thought there was like a like a lot in there. Yeah, but he only needed one. Like Cap Shield is looks pretty big. Yeah, I mean like. Uh, like it just the something the math there didn't make sense. Right. I mean, granted, knowing his motivations for it, he didn't need much, but it right. probably would have made his life easier. Like he could have probably made a couple more bodies. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know ugh, something about that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that scene was great. Um, I actually had to get up to pee while they were doing oh, yeah. all the fear, like the you know when Scarlet Witch was sure, screaming sure. everybody. The dream so I saw 
I, I missed Thor's and I saw the beginning of Natasha's and I guess I missed Caps too. I I'll be happy to explain them too. Okay. <laughs> um, but before we got to that too, there was uh, one line that kind of bothered me. It was quippy and funny in itself and very meta, but at the same time, uh, not very well used. I don't think Ultron had said, I wanted to take the time to explain my evil plan. Right. So they're like, they're, they obviously were trying to get him to say what he wanted to do. And he was like, I'm basically not going to tell you guys what my evil plan is. But that seems problematic because that lets us know that Ultron is acknowledging himself as the villain when in reality his motivation is peace through extinction, which he does not consider to be an evil thing. Right. It's like evil versus the solution. Like, why are you calling yourself out? Right. Like it was meta in the sense that it was a movie meta moment, but at the same time, is also underlining or uh, going against the character itself. Right, an inconsistency. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have the cool action sequence with the twins. So seeing what they can do, Scarlet Witch does her thing and kind of whammies everybody yeah. so that they have to face their fears in a way. The dream sequences, like you said, there's the Black Widow one. She's in the ballet theater mm -hmm. uh, and going through her assassin training, which I assume is uh, her fear that, and she kind of alludes to it later on when talking to Banner, that an assassin is all she is. Mm-hmm. And that's all she will be. Right. Uh, Thor's is in a banquet hall with uh, we see Heimdall kind of coming up to him, but his eyes are blank. Mm -hmm. So he's like, what happened to your eyes? And it seems that Thor's fear is like his not only his own power, but the responsibility of his inevitable rise to the throne and all that stuff. And they don't necessarily show the king thing. But if you think about like Dark World and him turning his back on the throne he kind of probably feels like it's always going to happen at some point because right. somebody's got to take it. Right. And it's not Loki, obviously. So uh -huh. it's kind of his destiny. Right. And he's kind of afraid of that responsibility. And then the Captain America one, uh, he's in a dance hall and Peggy comes up to him and they dance a little bit. And then he turns around and everybody's gone. And I was I keep trying to think of what that fear is. It might be that maybe all the people in his past are gone, but that's that's a reality now. It's not necessarily a fear uh, okay. anymore. So and they kind of talk about it later, too, when he's talking to Tony and they're chopping the wood and everything. And uh, Tony makes reference to I don't like people that or I don't trust people that don't have a dark side. And Cap says, well, I do. You haven't seen it yet. But it almost seems like Cap had no fear that was established enough to really have an effect on him to, like, take him out of action. Well, I mean, that kind of like I didn't know what his dream sequence was sequence was, but it kind of makes a little bit of sense now throughout captain america's like cinematic history mm -hmm. there's always been that issue of him being a man out of place and he's always making reference to it like, right throughout right. winter soldier he's always saying like uh i saw know, that one barber shop group yeah all dead so i got no plans yep you know and he's he's always like when he has that interaction with uh peggy in the hospital mm -hmm. and you know that's kind of like his last link to his previous life right and him turning around and seeing an empty dance hall is kind of like, well, I think this references his identity because we all have an identity through the people who we associate with. Right. So if you don't have anybody that you associate with in your personal life, mm -hmm. then who are you? Sure. And then in the case of Captain America, that's your Captain America. You're maybe you're no longer Steve Rogers mm. and you have no identity other than being an Avenger. Right. And that's kind of the thing that you don't want to be almost to a certain extent, because you see that or as Steve Rogers, you see Captain America as 
a necessity rather than as an identity. Sure. And so maybe that's what's troubling him is that, you know, is this really all I am now? Yeah. I can't be the guy that I was. Very possible. Everything is dead. Yeah. So clearly there uh, was some room for clarification within that (sighs) dream sequence. I mean, they could have. And establish maybe, something a little more and maybe we'll get it in civil war who knows maybe you know maybe. because maybe that's the 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 sort of character development that leads to cap making the decision that i everybody needs to be an open book because mm-hmm. i have nothing to lose right you know because if i tell everybody i'm steve rogers blah 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 like great yeah everybody knows who steve rogers is and everybody knows who i am mm-hmm. but i also have nothing to lose personally because my personal life is non-existent right uh, from there, we go to Banner getting whammied right. and the Hulk kind of going nuts on the city. Right. We all knew the Hulkbuster armor was in the movie somewhere. We didn't know under what context. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, including myself, had thought maybe it was the reverse situation where uh, Skylar Witch would take control of Tony right. for some reason. And especially with what we saw in the, earlier in the movie, like maybe that's a lasting effect. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it's definitely Hulk kind of losing control. We didn't see his dream, unfortunately, which would have been interesting, I think. Right. More interesting than maybe all the others combined because he is a complex individual. Right. But uh, we do see the attack of him just kind of losing control. This out of all the action sequences in the movie, I think was one of the strongest, mm-hmm. mostly because it was the simplest in terms of its one on one. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, there's a lot of scenery destructions, complicated effects scene. But in general, it's one V one and you can really play that out very clearly without this huge mishmash of things going on. Right. And we get introduced to Veronica. Right. Who's, who's mentioned earlier on, but yep. we don't. It's kind of like a weird hole. Yeah, like that what we, is that? What's for who's Veronica? Yeah. And then we we obviously Veronica is the floating Hulk Buster platform slash repair shop yep. slash like yeah that was impressive. Yeah, it's just it just keeps spitting out like armor parts. Like yeah. that was pretty cool. And you don't feel bad about it at all either because it's it's doing its job. Banner talks about how he helped build it and design right. it with Tony. So he's like, yeah. If uh, it's it's basically Superman handing the kryptonite ring to Batman. Right. It's saying if I get out of control, here are the tools to take me down. Right. And the Hulkbuster is, of course, pretty impressive. I mean, everybody's seen it from, you know, all the uh, the press and the, the TV spots and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, when you see it in action, it really is impressive. Like it it seems to move as quickly as Iron Man does, mm-hmm. but with the heft and the force of Hulk. Yeah. And like that scene where. uh you know, Hulk impales the arm yep. with the traffic pole, yep. and then the arm just twists around and like super punches Hulk in the face, and Hulk just goes flying. Like it really gives you that impression that wow, maybe this really is like the answer. Or yeah, the and there were some smart like things in there. Like there was the jackhammer hand <laughs> that, as soon as Hulk went to grab it, it's almost like they're predicting his uh his action. So right. when Hulk goes to grab it, it like sucks his hand in and traps it. Right. So like they were very smart about putting all that stuff together but yeah, yeah the, the line of go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep. <laughs> that was great that was great that was awesome like there's the the jackhammer punching like i like it's so smart because it's like it's a little bit of humor yeah just a little bit because yep. it's a little bit of tony but it's also like it's slapsticky it is like it's just because like, you see his face just going blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I love the part where Hulk turns his head and spits and then <laughs> looks at you just goes, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> yeah. he knows. Although I think the retaliation shot should have been shown a little more impactful because right, it just right, like right. jumps to them on a building like boom, boom, boom. Right. But like that's exactly where you want that like just one shot to come in. And like little things about the action sequence, like when 
um, when Iron Man just grabs Hulk's face and just like grinds it into the mm-hmm. pavement and then does it for, you know, like 50 yards or something. Yeah. And then you hear Hulk going, ow, 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 like, sorry, yeah. not ow, but you know, like you hear his voice. <laughs> yeah. Like him reacting to the, the constant pounding. Like, yeah. It was a great scene. And also the thing I liked the most, I think, about this scene was kind of a theme throughout the remainder of the movie was uh, when uh, Tony scanned the building. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. Like it's they're finally these heroes and they're heroes with a cause. Their primary objective is to limit casualties, mm-hmm. save people. And it seems like this was all a very clear response to the criticism Man of Steel received right. for right. just like obliterating buildings, not caring about civilians at all. Right. And this one was like, no, we save every single life. Right. And it's like he scans the building. There's nobody in the building. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's tear it down. Yep. Yep. And then later on, you see Bruce like sulking over the fact that he and it kind of affects the rest of his the rest of the movie is you see him sulking that he lost it in a public place right right and even before he turns back into banner uh after the building gets taken down and you see him look up and he has that awareness and regret on his face like it's as if the 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 mind control had worn off at that point and he's like oh crap i did it again and then bam gets hit by iron man right but yeah great scene yeah uh we then go to the safe house which is revealed to be Hawkeye's home. Yeah. Which Adam did not see this subplot coming anywhere. Uh, has his wife and kids, two kids and one on the way. <laughs> right, 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 right. Which, while I didn't see coming, was very welcome. Uh-huh. Definitely. Uh, it reminded you first that Hawkeye is a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's a regular human. Yep. He's not like a, he's not like the rest of them. And where it's sort of like where, Hawkeye lacks the superpowerness of the rest of the super mm-hmm. friends. He has this other aspect to his life that's so much more rich than what anybody else has. Right. And they're all envious of yeah, it. Yeah. And they all look at it like, well, one, we didn't know you had this. And two, I'm totally jealous. Right. Because like, he's got this loving family, this warm home, and he kept it all a secret. Yep. Like what's a secret is secrets are something that none of the others have been, really been able to do. Right. Except for maybe Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And she's in on it. Because she knows this is going on. Right. And, you know, she's talking about the baby and everything. And yeah, definitely a great scene. And like when I saw that, I instantly like I liked Hawkeye that much more. And I think that was a big reason for doing it. Not only that, I mean, like it really established him as like his importance to the team. Like the conversation he has with his wife upstairs when they're kind of looking down uh, at the others, which is even a visually interesting reversal because metaphorically it's probably him looking up at them all the time as these like almost godlike right. figures. Now he's in the upper floor of his house looking down at these smaller people mm-hmm. who he looks up to all the time. But it also foreshadows his exit from the team right. by giving us a very clear and acceptable reason to where we'd be like, Oh, he might leave and that's okay. He even mentions like it's going to be his last project on the house or whatever. Right. And, it, it's kind of, I liked it because it, it empowers Fury, uh, Natasha mm-hmm. and Hawkeye because they're the most, they're normal humans. Yep. They're sort of, but they're, they're also the most knowledgeable, the most aware, mm-hmm. the, the sort of the smartest ones there. Yeah. Kind of like a certain caped crusader. Kind of like, you know, like he, he doesn't have any superpowers, but his power is almost like this. I don't even know what to call it, but just this <laughs> eternal awareness of everything. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of, that's what gives him the upper hand. And Hawkeye has that same ability. Mm-hmm. 
but Marvel does a good job of you know, bringing him back down to earth sure. in, you know, later scenes, but um, definitely endearing of, uh, I, I felt a lot closer to Hawkeye because it was, you know, it was like, you know, he's a regular guy. Right. He's, right. He shoots bows and arrows. And I wonder if that was, I don't know how much criticism there was from the audience after the first Avengers. I know there was some, like a lot of people were super excited to finally see Hawkeye in action. Then he was a bad guy for most of the film. And maybe this time they'll be like, okay, we really have to highlight Hawkeye because this is probably going to be the last time you see him. Right. And his just the whole interaction with his wife and like with his kids and stuff. And definitely a great scene. Totally. Um, everybody in the theater that I went to. Yeah. Was like, what? Yeah. Like more so than other reveals in the movie. Yeah. Which because it's the one thing they kept under wraps, which just proves our point even more. Yeah. Like how amazing it would have been to see the Hulkbuster armor for the first time in the movie. Right. Like, that was great. I mean, I mean, you saw his house in some of the previews, too. Right, you but just there's did, no clue. Yeah, you just didn't know what it was. It's just another house. Yeah, very cool, which we also got uh, one of the other better scenes. And going back to the subplot that we seem to both really enjoy, the, the Banner-Natasha conversation that they had there, yeah. which was easily my favorite subplot of the film because there's a bunch of other things going on. But going back to them was just uh, really interesting because they're just, I mean, not only do they have a nice chemistry between each other, but they're also out of everyone on the team seem to be like the most on the fence about even being on the team. Right. As they talk about like running away mm -hmm. together half the time, it, it did humanize them a lot uh, because now they're just people in pain as opposed to just superheroes. Absolutely. So you see the depth there giving particular depth. I thought to widow because where we've seen one Hulk movie within the MCU up to this point, even though they kind of don't pay that much attention to it at this point, since the cast change, uh, Widow up to this point in the MCU really has just kind of had a hard exterior. Right. And she really lets the guard down and opens up to Banner in a way that we have not seen from her before, yep. which I can see some people being like, oh, they're making her into a stereotypical female role when she was just a kick-ass chick before. I'm like, no, it just makes her more interesting and it makes her mm -hmm. more human. If she was like that all the time, that's fucking boring. Yeah. And like the whole aspect of giving her some vulnerability, mm -hmm. it's the compare and contrast. It's kind of like the, the sweet and salty of, yeah. of a character. It's what we saw in Avengers that in the first Avengers, when she's that interaction with Loki, when Loki's in the cage, mm -hmm. that she is, she's very manipulative. Yes. She can, she can be the person that fakes it till she makes it. And then when she learns what she needs to learn, she turns right back. And the walls go back up. But with Age of Ultron and her interaction with Banner, you see that she's she's pretty damaged. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot that went on that we've never seen. Yep. And the dream sequence sort of shows it. But then when she reveals that she, you know, she can't have kids and the reason behind it, mm -hmm. you're like, wow, that is dark. Yeah. You know, that. I mean, how is somebody able to come back from that? Right. You know, I understand or I, I think I can understand the reasons why, obviously. And she makes mention of it. Sure. It's like the one thing that can keep you from your mission or whatever. But I mean, that's, that's heavy. Like even for the, like even for James Bond or, like, yeah. you know, like the most steely blue secret agent. Yep. Like, how does that work? Like you're still human. Yeah. Yeah. You're so, still taking away a big portion of what most people consider to be a part of the human experience. Right. So and like I had is. a question too, like about Hulk. Like when when <laughs> Banner says, "Like, look, I physically can't right. have kids." Right. Like, what does that mean? Is it like? Well, I think it's either one that his body is just so irradiated that he's sterile, 
right which is a possibility but there's also uh maybe alluding to the fact that and i don't i don't know again how much they're taking from the incredible hulk movie he was like yeah i can't i just can't do that because i get too excited and i turn to the hulk right <laughs> and then it's just a size problem right right <laughs> <laughs> although I, I imagine at this point that he has a lot more control over right. himself to where maybe that's not as much of an issue but it still could possibly be yeah. one um, and I think this conversation too justifies their relationship. Uh, if people are still questioning, like, why is it like, why Natasha and Bruce? Yeah. That seems like such a random choice to put together. But when she says the line, that's like, uh, do you still think you're the only monster on the team? Cause that's how she views herself. Mm-hmm. So of course, the one that she's compelled or uh, driven towards is the one that, yeah, struggles with being a monster all the time. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense. And definitely not manipulating him anymore. Or, you know, she did to get him on the team. But Right, right. And it's very interesting to think, too, about the first Avengers movie. And I think about that scene where he's charging ass through uh, and just destroying stuff. And right. she is terrified beyond belief. Right. And now that the point that they're at in, like in a movie three years later, it's it's very interesting to see that arc. Yeah. And I, I think it, it just goes to show that. Both Bruce has developed the ability to control himself a little bit, and also Natasha's obviously got a little bit of that magic. Yeah, so. softened a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I too, at this point, like I'm like I want to see a Black Widow Hulk movie. Yeah, <laughs> so a bad, bit, right? right? Yeah, so badly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they have any plans. They've said before they weren't really planning on doing a standalone Hulk movie. Be like, okay, fine, just put Widow in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I just want more Hulk. Um, we then go to the chopping wood scene, which, uh, has my favorite quote in the entire movie, which sets up civil war so well, Mm -hmm. because you know exactly where Rogers is coming from and why he has all these issues with Tony. He says, every time someone tries to win a war before it starts, innocent people die every time. And that's again, all a result of winter soldier Mm -hmm. and these same things, these same concepts happening over and over again. And he's been through it at least twice because he saw it with. You know, the war against Hydra and the Nazis, mm-hmm. and then, of course, with S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah, it's that safety versus liberty. Like, where do you take control and where do you allow people to be free? Right. Which I think is kind of going uh, reverse of their personalities in the Civil War story. Who's the villain in Civil War between uh, the two of them? I because well, isn't in Civil War, isn't it Baron von Zemo or Baron Zemo or there's there's in in there's a villain. Yeah, but there's but as far as the sides go, I'm one not, of them is for the registration act and one of them is against it, and I don't know which is which. Oh, uh, well, I don't, I forget exactly what the registration act. Kind of revealing their personality, revealing the personality, Re- revealing their uh their true identity. Cap says yes to revealing identity. Okay, and Iron Man says no. Okay, which is weird because Iron Man already has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Iron Man is viewed more on the side of good, I think, because at least from the reader's perspective in that story, whereas it seems like they're kind of doing the reverse here. Like, it looks like Tony's being built up to be the villain for Civil War, especially it being a Captain America movie. Right. I mean, they said that it's going to be a little different, obviously, because everybody knows who Iron Man is. Right. People know who Captain America is. Right. So a lot of these identities, so to speak, don't exist. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's it's just going to be something different. I mean, they're harping a lot on the whole liberty issue. So maybe it's going to be something like that. Right. Although that kind of makes it seem like Winter Soldier Part 2. <laughs> right, right. They already did that with the government. So I don't know. Sure. Like, 
I am very curious to see which direction they go. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, then we get the Nick Fury thing appearing uh, in the, the tractor <laughs> barn or whatever. The conversation that Tony has with Fury seems to try and justify Tony's motivation mm-hmm. for doing what he's doing or has done. Uh, he's trying to protect his team. But like up until this point, like I feel like the audience is starting to turn against Tony. So they had to do something to be like, well, OK, now we can empathize with him a little bit uh, and understand at least why he's still wrong. But now we at least understand why he's right, wrong. Right. Uh, and we do learn that someone's preventing Ultron from accessing the nuclear launch codes. So for anyone being like, well, why does he just do that and kind of nuke everybody? Well, here you go. Somebody's right. preventing it, which we find out later to be Jarvis. And I wanted him to fix the damn tractor. Yeah. He went into the barn to fix the tractor. I wanted the tractor to have like repulsor jets and like I wanted it to be fixed, but he doesn't do anything. He just takes one part off and then Nick Fury jumps, jumps in. But the final act of the movie should have been Iron Man flying in in his iron tractor. (laughs) Exactly. That would have been so great. Or Hawkeye like tilling the fields and just like having a a floating tractor tilling the field. That would have been great. Yeah. Uh, we learn later or, or next that the mind gem is actually inside of Loki's spear. We all had an idea there was an infinity stone of some kind in right. there. We just didn't know which one. Thor enters some river and has a yeah. vision of infinity stones and uh, sees that he apparently needs to bring the vision to life. This scene felt a little random and out of nowhere. Plugged in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I feel like they replaced something longer with something going, okay, we need to shorten this part. Yeah. How can we? Do- oh, make him go in a river. Uh, How do we fix that? Well, it's a magical river. Okay. <laughs> right. Like they, I mean, they sort of address it a little bit. Like uh, Selvig yeah. knows he, I mean, he's familiar with North myth- Norse mythology. And so there's like something about the reflecting pool or mm-hmm. the reflecting pond or whatever. And Line like, of ex- exposition to try and justify this weird ass scene. Yeah, it just—it's so fast. It's like I gotta go. I, I gotta go take care of a thing, and then he goes to Selvig, and he's like, "Nice costume, shut up." And then they go into this pool, go in the river, go go in the water. He's like, "Yeah, there's one of these in every dimension." It's like, okay, well, what does it do? Yeah. <laughs> and then Selvig's like, "Some guys don't come out of it." It's like. That's not enough. <laughs> the writers are like, how do we uh, figure out how to get Thor to realize that the vision's a good thing and get his shirt off? Oh, river. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in water. <laughs> Reflecting river. There we go. So, yeah, this this scene was, that was very odd. Yeah. Uh, and even like I've seen the movie twice now and it just feels so crowbarred in there. Yeah. It, like, I mean, it, the the surrounding bits of it must have fallen victim to the cutting room floor. Yeah. But definitely felt weird. This is around the time, too, that we see uh, the Scarlet Witch gets the truth behind Ultron's mission revealed, getting that vision from the vision right, right. Uh, and seeing everything kind of wiped out. And they change their loyalties pretty much on the spot. Yeah. Play along for now, but it won't be long before they kind of take action. Yeah. And I understand that the reason why they turn so quickly, obviously, She's got that power to see, mm-hmm. and the vision of the future was not great because obviously nukes. But it was so fast. Yeah, I mean, they they their their develop their development of their hatred for Stark mm-hmm. just all of a sudden gone. This embedded lifelong hatred. Yeah, right. Because they saw a she saw a vision of a planet getting nuked, mm-hmm. and, which could be a bit jarring. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a little quick. I mean, yeah, yeah, but. Uh, this is the this is leading up to the best part of the movie for me, totally. at least because I'd I'd read an interview with Paul Bettany who actually knew that he was going to be the Vision from 
when he was cast as Jarvis. Really? See, I didn't realize that was something established way back then. He, well, maybe not as, as long as he's been Jarvis, but for at least three years or so. Mm-hmm. He's known that he's going to be Jarvis and he's had to keep it under lock. Right. Like, and, and he, I guess he told his kids, but then he told the kids, like, don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> they will kill me. It's like NDAs, man. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, was, like he was the kind of like breakout star of the movie for me. I mean, so many vision related reveals and also he's able to address the brief time that he's on screen mm-hmm. by a simple line. He's saying, I was born yesterday. Yeah. Obviously. Right. You know? And um, the whole thing where he's just he just picks up Thor's hammer. He's yeah, like, yeah. And everybody, the theater I was in, I think, was very excited to see the movie <laughs> yeah. because when he picks up the hammer, everybody's like, "What? Yeah, that what? Like, like the audible. reactions in the theater are the same as they are on the screen, and that's always fun. <laughs> and it was so awesome. Yeah. Uh, so from there we go to the uh the scene of retrieving the cradle. Cool action sequence. Uh, the most interesting part of the sequence, I thought, was that it was just, and I didn't even realize this till after, it was Cap, Widow, and Hawkeye. Yep. And we were talking about, like, the underpowered of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are arguably the three least powerful on the team in terms of, uh, I don't know, physical ability. Superpowers. Yeah, superpowers. I mean, like, Tony doesn't have superpowers, but all that armor makes him more powerful than Cap, right. essentially. But it did allow for a much more grounded action sequence. It, it reminded me more of something out of Winter Soldier than something out of like Thor. And and also, I mean, to sort of counterbalance that, you see you see Cap go up against Ultron, right? Like hand to hand for a good bit of time, and some of it's without the shield. Yeah, like who knew? Like he's pretty. Like it kind of shows you that Cap, yes, is he's still a superhero, right? Know? Right. But, I mean, that he can go up against this murder bot and still hold his own. And yet at the same time, it kind of reveals how underpowered Ultron is in this movie compared to the Ultron we know from the comics. Right. That could basically take on the Avengers single handedly. Yeah. But that was a cool scene. And I mean, seeing the the back and forth with the cradle and mm-hmm. the, the traffic scene where they drop uh, Black Widow into the into the uh, into traffic yep. to, to pick up the shield and everything. That was great. Like, Absolutely. Definitely uh, a good showcase for those three. Totally. And then kind of like to wrap up the scene, we get to see the twins let loose yeah. uh, as they actually take action in their uh, loyalty change. Cradle's retrieved. Natasha's taken by Ultron, which was a very quick grab and fly yeah. away. But uh, it, it was cool to see uh, the extent of Scarlet Witch's powers and them really working together as a team so quickly. Right. But again, that's that's part of Cap's ability is like organize. You do this. You do this. Bam, bam, bam. And that's why he is the leader of the Avengers. Yep. Then we get the scene that you're referring to with the vision emerging. There's a debate in there again about whether or not they should be doing the same thing that they just mm-hmm. did with Ultron. And again, it's it's Cap versus Stark over and over again. Yeah. Uh, but then Thor ends that conversation real quick, yeah. jumping in, lightning, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. Vision is alive. And uh, there's that line of there may be no way you can trust me right before he picks up Thor's hammer. And then everyone goes, damn, I guess <laughs> like, we can. I guess we're OK. Which right? I don't know. I don't think the visions ever picked it up in the comics. I know yeah. as far as I know, there's only two. There might be three. Better Ray Bill obviously picked it up. And that's when he got his own hammer. Uh, and then uh, Hulk has picked it up before. Oh, Cap picks it up too. Oh, he does. Uh, okay. At, at some point, I'm not. I think it's Steve Rogers that picks it up. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's Beta Ray Bill, 
Hulk picks it up briefly mm-hmm. and then Cap picks it up for real. Like he, like he's able to wield it. Yeah. As if he would be Thor. Which is probably what they were hinting at yeah. earlier in the movie when he moved it around a little bit. And it also kind of makes you wonder like what makes Vision so worthy? Especially if he was like, if, if you think about worthiness as, uh, maybe not a character trait, but something that you develop mm-hmm. over time. You know, Vision, and if he was just created, if he was just created, right. literally just created, maybe it's his innocence. I, I guess you know that innocence, and you know he has the power to wield it. He has the power to wield the hammer. Mm-hmm. He's also relatively pure. Right. He was just born. And there's so, also uh, the possibility, if we want to look at it more scientific, because they're saying that all this magic is science that we don't understand yet. If we're looking at a more scientific thing, Vision was born of Thor's energy. Right. So now they share an energy, and that's what gives Vision the ability to do it. If you want to look at it that way. But then to that to that point, I mean, Tony's been blasted with Thor's lightning. True. Uh, you know, in that suit, but I guess that suit doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, the the whole thing with Vision, like when they were making the body, mm-hmm. they took vibranium and they found out that vibranium interacts with the cells created in the cradle or something. Yeah. Like the. Was it something like they weren't able to manipulate? They or it's so hard to manipulate. The vibranium, vibranium helps the cells fuse or something. Like it, it's a very strange explanation, but it, we thing, just go science. Yeah, they're just like, oh, hey, look, <laughs> yeah, this thing that we don't understand happened, and right. poof. But yeah, and Paul Bettany is great. I mean, yes, he really that, is. That accent is so soothing. <laughs> like you just want him to like read you stories. Well, that's how he got Jennifer Connelly. That accent is so soothing. I guess so. <laughs> And you, f- it feels very like regal, sort of. Yes. The vision, like and he has a great presence. Yeah. Yeah. And so good. But uh, yeah, that whole scene of picking up the hammer, <laughs> everybody just loses it. Like, what? Yeah. Like nobody's been able to pick that thing up. Making I don't get it. making the earlier scene so much more relevant right. too, because right. they've already shown nobody else can do it. Right. Very cool. Uh, and then we kind of go into the final act of the movie, the big conflict. Uh, interesting dynamic of like <laughs> the typical like villain plot being way mm-hmm. too complicated. <laughs> like I'm going to put a giant vibranium spike through this piece of a city and mm-hmm. lift it off the ground and make it into a meteor, yeah. like a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> complicated, but cool. Still cool. And also seems to do it in record time. Yeah. Like <laughs> he goes from having raw vibranium to yeah. having a vibranium body and a vibranium meteor rocket yeah, yeah. thing in what <laughs> seems like a couple of days yeah but i guess he has all those robots so i don't know yeah who knows uh, <laughs> uh they do again make every attempt to protect civilian lives on mm-hmm. here especially here i mean cap even has a line of i'm not leaving one person yeah. behind barton's conversation with scarlet witch was really good mm-hmm. which they never named quicksilver scarlet witch by name which was interesting. Right. They were just always the Maximov twins. The twins, right. Um, but uh, Barton basically being like, you step out that door, you're an Avenger. Right. And that was cool. That was, I mean, that's a quick introduction into the team. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Apparently, uh, they've given Hawkeye the ability to bestow Avenger rank upon <laughs> anybody he feels necessary. Hawkeye is Avengers human resources. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you get the uh, quintessential epic Whedon scene of, Gotta kill somebody. Yeah. Yep. Which we probably all thought, and I had the thought early too, by showing us Hawkeye's family made him the most sympathetic so that when he died, it would have the most emotional impact. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, they're going to kill Hawkeye. Right. Thank God they didn't. Uh-huh. 
but they did lay waste to a character that I enjoyed very much throughout yeah. the movie. Kind of, I mean, obviously it's Quicksilver. We're in a spoiler room. Well, yeah. Uh, it's, I wanted to see more. Cause yeah. Like he did all that saving, literally yep. saved probably about 70% of the people that were, that needed to be saved. Right. And his power is such that he can use it to be the embodiment of what a hero is, mm-hmm. you know, saving lives and, you know, preservation of life. His dying was really weird. Yeah. You have super advanced, like murder robot Ultron. He, he just so happened to take a face full of energy. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, I can't move around anymore. Better go get in a jet. Like what? Yeah. And everybody uh, stops blasting him for some reason at one point. Yeah. Why not just keep going? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? They could have totally melted him down. And then one of the other hordes of robots could have just been Ultron jumping in the jet. Like yeah. they're all Ultron. Right. Yeah. It was just, it was really weird. Like how he died, like, uh, like him dying was very impactful, but mm-hmm. how he died was just really odd like why like what's the choice like what was the motivation behind the choice there but, mm-hmm. um yeah definitely wish he would have been around a little bit longer at least for another movie right and even though they didn't they we saw him take the body away they never really confirmed his death mm. i mean we didn't see him in the final scene either so we right. kind of assume he's dead but again it is the comic book universe Right. You never know what's actually going to happen there. Right. Uh, and then we get the scene with War Machine uh, outside the shield helicarrier, mm-hmm. which am I the only one expecting to see Falcon at that point? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're in the air. Yeah. Flight is necessary. Yeah. Like when you're bringing the recruits and like, yeah, it's War Machine. We saw Falcon. Really? Yeah. What? No. What, what, no? Is his suit not done yet? Yeah, like, what's, what? Why is he not helping out? Yeah. He was in the movie. Just use him again. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like. But yeah, I was definitely expecting to see Falcon. Yeah. Um, that was a little weird, but I guess he's going to have a bigger role uh later on down the line. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the uh the scene again with uh Vision wielding Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. No, I mean, was... cuz you never really hear Thor, you know, waxing his, you know, sort of And it comedic. didn't last long. Like, it, it didn't last very long, but it was it was great. Yeah. You know, it was like I am Thor, I am mighty, I am running out of things to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you see Vision with the hammer again, and you're reminded about how epic that fucking is. Just yeah. him able to wield the hammer. Yeah. I know some scenes too, like uh in Avengers as well, the first movie, they they do throw in the comedic quips here and there, which are usually fantastic on the first watch through, mm-hmm. but then they become almost annoying Not sometimes. Really. I feel like some of them are out of place in the movie and the pace of it, like the one where uh, Vision's like, oh, your hammer's very well balanced. He's like, yeah, for swinging. I'm like that. I knew right away. I was like, yeah, that's the one that's going to bother me. Mm. Like, it just feels out of place. Like, they're they're winding up this big action kind of thing. And he's just like, oh, let's talk about the weight of my hammer. Like, it was just, <laughs> it, it feels forced in there. Yeah. They didn't need a laugh. They could have just kept going. Yeah. Because they had one right before, like you said, talking about, I'm running out of things to say. Yeah. That's it. That's all they need. That yeah. was plenty. That would have been great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then kind of things start to really ramp down. They blow up the island after getting everyone off. Uh, you see the last remaining robot standing with Vision, who is like, Vision's the only one who really empathizes with Ultron the whole time. Right. He's like, yeah, they're flawed. They're doomed. But it's fucking great while it's going on. I, and that's kind of the whole, like, 
whenever you have like a villain who wants the end, who wants to end the earth, he's mm-hmm. always talking about how humans are dumb and yeah. humans are always, they're, they're wrecking the planet and they're doing all this stupid stuff. They're so self-destructive. And then yeah. you have the counterpoint who's like, ah, but they're pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, like eh, give them a chance yeah. sort of thing. Like what else are we going to do? <laughs> right. Get rid of them and then we're going to be really bored. Yeah. And then the, the, the class, I mean, the, the line that I'm sure that will become a classic later on down the line is just, I was literally born yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And then mind blast, vision blast, whatever that is. Yep. And, and they didn't bother taking the time to explain vision's powers. Like we saw some phasing of him sticking yeah, hands yeah. in people and ripping them apart and everything. And it was then like, reaction shots of people's faces like, what? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That was great when Vision was flying outside the helicarrier and War Machine was like, what the hell is that? Like, he hasn't even met him yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, who's that guy? Yeah. Is he on our team? I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, and that's kind of like the, the end of the movie. I mean, we get the, the scenes of the new Avengers at the end there. And were you a little underwhelmed by the new Avengers? Yes. Considering like the the scope and the gravity of the the original Avengers mm-hmm. cast, and then you know that you know people are leaving or have already left. Yep. But then you see like the the new Avengers cast, and it's like, okay, Vision's awesome, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And War uh, Machine's pretty cool. War Machine's cool. Scarlet, which it's kind of. But then like you look at, it's you see War Machine, and you're like, that's like a kind of a worse Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Falcon's kind of a. I don't know. Like th- these guys aren't really the event. They're like yeah. Avengers Junior. Exactly. Exactly. And I think they kind of addressed that too. They said like you know they're they're not up to they're not up to snuff yet. So we're gonna have to pound it into them. Or something. Right. But, right. And it's not like they're the replacements. Right. Even though they kind of hinted at that, but it didn't really feel like it. Like yeah, I, the the team's still coming back, and we'll probably be minus Hawkeye, obviously minus Quicksilver, most likely. But all the others are going to be there, even if not a part one of Infinity War. I think they've said in the news a little bit that you might see some in one half that you don't see in the other mm-hmm. and vice versa. Uh, and we'll probably get like the, the big like return of the Avenger Avengers in part two for the, for the, the most part. Yeah. But final thoughts kind of. Oh, I guess there's the mid credit scene of, uh, Thanos. Oh, there was a mid credit scene. You didn't see it? Shit. I, I had read the, the news. They said there's, gonna there's be no, no end credit scene. Oh, there's a mid credit scene. Shit. I it's so quick. I got up and left. Oh, Where's the mid credit scene? It's so quick. It's just, you see the, uh, the infinity gauntlet kind of rising up and there's a door that opens up and there's no gems on it. Uh-huh. And Thanos just puts his hand into it and goes, he's like, well, I guess I've got to do this myself. Something along those lines. Uh, and that was it. It was so short. Okay. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I got up because I was like, all right, no, no end credit scene. So, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Go well, there is no end credit scene. That's true. Yeah. Just the mid credit. Because now we've, now that Marvel's established the end credit uh, continuity, it's like, well, right. you always got to do one of those. So now let's throw it in the mid credits too. Right. Constant. Uh, final thoughts on the movie. The two big takeaways for me were really personifying the, the idea of a hero mm-hmm. saving people. Yep. And how that was a huge counterpoint to, you know, other superhero movies like Man of Steel. There was the thing Cap said about us not only proving that, uh, not only stopping a monster, but proving that we're not monsters right. as well. And I mean, that was a good, I, I liked that 
that enduring theme, the enduring theme of also teamwork, mm-hmm. seeing that in the, uh, kind of the, one of the final fight scenes where they're protecting the, the key or the, you know, the core yep. of the vibranium yep. thing. And you see them all working together Circle up back to back. Like and one person will grab a robot, then another one will fly and, you know, take it off their hands. Very reminiscent of that long sweeping scene right. from the first Avengers movie where they all kind of team up and work together. And it's very fluid. Yep. And you see, and there's even reaction on people's faces that, wow, Wow, this is actually working. Yeah. You know, the, we're actually working as a team. And then, you know, just the whole thing about how the flaws with building the villain of Ultron mm-hmm. are what make Vision such a great character. Totally. Kind of like Ultron is so flawed as a character, whereas they do the same exact, almost the same exact thing with Vision, but they address it so well that it's forgivable because mm-hmm. he was literally born yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a couple elements that we didn't necessarily touch on, but uh, the end of the Banner Natasha relationship was so appropriate mm-hmm. for their characters. Yeah. Obviously, Banner being like, "I'm no good for anybody," yeah, and I just need to separate myself from people as often as possible. The incredible sulk. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that was very much in character, made sense, yeah. and Natasha a little heartbroken, but it also kind of like made it seem like she might go after him. Yeah, because Fury's tracking it and everything, and that's interesting. Um, the running joke we didn't mention at all that was pretty funny throughout the movie was uh the language <laughs> with Rogers. <laughs> yeah, just made a quip at the beginning and kind of played out here and there throughout the rest of the movie. And the best one was when Fury said it, yeah, because it's Sam Samuel L. Jackson telling somebody to watch <laughs> you their kiss language. your mother with that mouth. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was good. But uh, we talked about it too with the villain. Ultron seemed very underpowered compared to the comic version. Yeah. He never really, to me, felt like the threat that he should have been. Yeah. He wasn't scary. And I feel like having that humanized face took a little bit of that away. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost would have preferred the classic Ultron face with almost like a waveform kind of mouth. Just speaking. a gap with light. Yeah. yeah. I think that might have been more terrifying and scarier. Because yeah. if they're not going to go in one direction, they should go in another. Like, they were making him funny instead of making him scary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think scary would have been better. And it never really seemed like Ultron was that close to winning. Yeah. His sort of out was the fact that he could upload himself to the internet. Right. But then once they took that away, right. he was just kind of the robot. And he's such an easy one to say, like, oh, he's still out there. One of them got away. Yeah. That they didn't say. Yeah. And the whole, like, the vibranium thing, like, he coated himself in vibranium, but he was still able to be melted. Mm-hmm. Granted, most of it probably came from the mind gem, which is an infinite source of power. Sure. But is just a little weak like yep. you know vibranium supposed to be the in, most indestructible in the world this the shield and everything but then ultron coats himself in it and it's all of a sudden not that great like, yeah i don't understand that yeah uh and then the last thing that i was kind of disappointed about and i know it's because whedon has said uh in interviews that he's kind of disappointed that they even did agents of shield and that he brought Coulson back is uh, so obviously he didn't write him into the movie, but I kind of wanted to see Coulson and get a reaction from the Avengers be like, oh, shit, he's alive. Yeah, that would have been cool, especially like on, with the reveal of the helicarrier. Yeah. And having the remnants of shield. That's almost that. exactly where I wanted Coulson to appear instead of Fury and be like, hey, guys, yeah. <laughs> I'm alive and right. I'm saving y'all. <laughs> right. Like have him on a gun or something shooting down. Yeah. The, the sentries. I guess it would have been cool, but it's also. um when you think about he, his death being the motivation mm-hmm. for them coming together as a team, maybe it's not a great idea to bring him in because then the team's like, 
wait a minute. <laughs> right. True, but at this point, one would think that's kind of out of the way. Yeah, I mean, they're and it's of, and it's not anything against Colson because he didn't. That wasn't part of his plan. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so hopefully, it comes back later, though. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Who knows? I mean, by the time Infinity War rolls around, maybe Shield will be wrapped up, and he'll they'll plug him into the movie, or they'll plug a uh, Sky into the movie too. Cause right. She has power. Right. Right. All right, that wraps up Age of Ultron and wraps up the episode for this week. So, final thoughts or something you'd like to plug? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, to see everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back next week with more stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. Watch your language. Make it so.